This is the Sports Divided Podcast. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Second two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. To the net, over. Patrick Kane has scored the goal. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. The Cubs win the World Series. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. All right, we are on the eve of the NBA finals between the Golden State Warriors and the uh, Boston Celtics. Um, I guess the first question I have um, is, are these teams better without Durant and Kyrie? They leave and those two teams show show up back in the finals? That's, Apparently it's a, so. It's a, that's a good question, yeah. Um, I mean, I can't say that Golden State's better without Durant, but um, – I don't know. Kyrie is a he's a polarizing player, isn't he? And he's just a wild person, and but just a great athlete. So, but they just never worked with him. I, I think he's kind of a hard one to get along with, personality-wise. So I would say yes to Boston, but no to Golden State. I mean, Golden State is just I mean they're with him. I, they had the regular season record with Durant. Right, wasn't that he was on the team? Yeah, well, and I mean that this topic was a hot button topic on ESPN today, mm-hmm. um, or yesterday, I guess. But realistically, if you think about it, they've been gone. They've been in Brooklyn for what two years now. Yeah. So if it was if they were that big of a cancer in the room last year, would have been this matchup would have happened last year, not not this year. Yeah. Well, Boston almost didn't get in to begin with. Jimmy Butler almost kept Boston from, from being here. Yeah. I mean, two points. I mean, that would they were up huge in that game again. And uh, boy, you still look back at Butler, and it's hard not to be able to put him in with some of the elite players. When he, came, when he, when he came down to it, he played. Oh, yeah. And he played hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, through most of this, he's been hurt, right? And I don't yeah. know, he's, he's just uh, – the big, the big topic was the day after, like that shot he took, the three point shot. That's not a Jimmy Butler play. That's not where he gets all his points. Was that, was that a good shot or a bad shot? But it all comes down to the best player on the team at a pivotal moment in the game took a wide open shot. So, like, how can you say that that's a bad shot? Yeah, you want your you best look, player. You look, at, you look at the series that he had. You know what? And even if that was a bad shot. I'll give him one. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a legacy defining shot. Whether you know it goes in, then he's exalted, and if not, you know I, I can live with it. So um, now that was one that was really debated, but yeah, I mean he's just he's one hell of a player. You know, he's just uh, he, he's just gritty. He gets it done. I feel like when he was in Minnesota. He was pretty much a cancer and tore that whole team apart and. <laughs> How old is Butler now? Oh boy, I don't know. It's got to be. Early. He's more than thirty, right? 
Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say I think we looked it up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's thirty-two. But you know the the team. I it, it was interesting to watch the games though because it, it, they were two very similar teams. You know they the stars aren't like full-on stars. At least Jason Tatum is almost there, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him a full star at this point. And they were just the gritty defense and, you know, the scoring was, they could score in bunches, but it wasn't necessarily their MO. And now you, you, you switch to, you know, you watch how good Boston was on defense and you switch them over to Golden State, who just has the most dynamic offense in the game. It's going to be an interesting series to watch. Uh, you know, Boston doesn't have a huge weakness on defense per se. Uh, they've just got a bunch of guys. They've got length. They've got uh, athleticism. Marcus Smart is great. Uh, defensive player of the year. And then you go up against Boston or um, Golden State with with Steph and, and Clay. Looks like he's pretty much back to full strength. Draymond Green, and then they got Andrew Wiggins there too. It's uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know what do you guys think going into this series. I, it's hard to bet against Golden State, the amount of playoff finals experience that they've got. I think there was some crazy stat that Boston, the players in Boston, there's zero finals experience, zero games, and Golden State has like 128 or something. <laughs> yeah, the, the impression I'm getting is that, uh, you know, might as well just give the trophy to Golden State at this point. Right. Well, the, and the Vegas odds actually show a. I was kind of surprised that their number, it's only minus 160 in favor of Golden State. So I was, I would have thought uh, that might have been with the way everybody is talking about the history and the. Uh, you got home court advantage. Well, not even just that. Just I mean, like the experience and all that, right? Like, yeah, Boston is plus one twenty five, which isn't as, and then uh, Golden State's minus one sixty. So or one yeah one sixty. So it's not like it's not like Vegas is really letting uh, you win a bunch on Boston, right? And they're they're banking on it being a close series. So. You know, I, might, I think the only thing that <clears throat> stuck out to me watching Boston against Miami is, you know, it's, I felt like Boston just didn't really, in, in some of the, the closing moments of games, I, I don't know that they totally had it. Um, I feel like they kind of waited towards the end of games a little bit. Um, it just kind of outlasted Miami, but <clears throat> I, I don't know. I just, with the way Steph Curry and Clay Thompson can hit, clutch shots when they need it, even if defense is, is perfect. It's going to be hard to see Boston win it. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to see Boston win it, but it's hard to actually put money on it. Well, especially when you're only getting $25 for your 100 Yeah. It's not – there's not a lot of – not a lot of juice with that squeeze. Yeah, I wonder what the uh, what are the odds for MVP. So you know, forget who wins it, but maybe go bet on Jason Tatum to win MVP. Maybe he'll have better odds because not really. Final MVP: Steph Curry minus one ten, Jason Tatum 
plus 175. <clears throat> okay. Well, Jalen Brown plus a thousand. Yeah. Um, Clay Thompson plus 1400. Marcus Smart plus 2200. Draymond Green plus 1400. Wiggins plus 3200. Uh, Poole plus 2500. And if you really wanted to go a long shot, the only other guy on the board is Al Horford plus 8000. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have a hell of a series. I mean, he could win you a game, but, you know, he's not going to win you a game. And then knowing Steph, Steph Curry never having won an MVP, finals MVP, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, well, who was it? It was Iguodala and Durant. Yeah, right? Iguodala and then Durant twice. So I think it's pretty much a lock if they win that Steph, unless somebody else is just lights out that much better, but I just don't see it happening. So. But yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I mean, these series have been great. I feel like the the Boston Miami one was so much fun to watch. It was just like blow after blow, um, with with all their guys, you know. And it got a little chippy too with uh, Kyle Lowry in there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been a blast to watch so far. At least the the East, the West, the West was good, but I feel like the, the Eastern Conference games are a little bit better with you know Boston against Milwaukee and. Then against Miami, I mean, think about the the matchups that Boston had to go through. You know, they they crushed Brooklyn, but Brooklyn was a good team. And then they go and beat Milwaukee and Miami, Golden State. You know, beat Denver, but then you know, kind of a banged up Memphis team, and then they kind of rolled over Dallas. So had a little bit of easier path getting there. I don't know if that's better or worse, but it's uh. Boston's a little banged up too. You know, they've got Marcus Smart's been injured in and out. So, but it's, uh, it's so, uh, uh it's what do the Bulls do to get here? Oh. <laughs> you get Steph Curry. I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking of rumors, there was one room, the one rumor I was able to find that we were talking about a little before the show was, uh, a sign in trade with the 76ers sending Levine there, the Bulls getting uh, Tyrese Maxey and a couple and a pick plus other parts. Um, Another thing that I saw kind of put together was it was a three-team trade, and I don't remember the full details. I just remember that it was Kyle Lowry in Chicago, and it was – Lonzo Ball and Charlotte, and then some other pieces going to Charlotte. But like Tyler Harrow was coming to would be coming here. Levine would be that's what Levine to Levine would go down to Miami. Miami, but Levine and Butler. (laughs) Well, the then the third one I saw was the Bulls just getting like three first round picks or something like that, and a young guy. For uh, Levine to go play with Luka Doncic down in Dallas. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these would basically kind of set us back a little bit. You know, we're yeah, we're there, sort of, to go make a, a run if everything went well. Um, but we're not over that hump yet. Yeah, the three first round picks, if they're all coming from from there, aren't going to be much. Yeah, even Tyrese Maxey from the 76ers. I mean, he's good, but he's up and coming for sure. So 
Well, yeah. that means you'd have to move Ball, right? Because he's a one. Yeah, you'd move. Or you or you put one of them at two, and then is that really any better than what you have? There'd probably be subsequent trades then too, where you get rid of you know Vucevic and and maybe I don't know, maybe DeRozan too, and just kind of start over would be how that looks to me. But, well, the other thing you get with Ball with Ball moving, if you get somebody back that's at least pretty close to equal talent, at least you get somebody that's probably going to be on the floor. And you don't have to deal with his dad. Yeah, Ball's, Ball's history of being out, I mean, is not good over the you know, we said. No, nobody, nobody does get good if they're not playing. Yeah, nobody really knows what's going on with his knee either. When you, you have surgery and then you rehab and you have to shut it down because it's not progressing. And he's, I don't know what he's still really even progressing at this point. So it's, that's, that's a question. I don't think it was a very different type of surgery either. It was a, a pretty straightforward procedure, but I don't think when you hear that it isn't responding, that's never a good sign. Well, they all, yeah, you think Derek Rose would have bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what that screams to me is, is he putting in the work to actually rehab it? Yeah. Like, is he taking care of his body to, to get it done? Or is he just going through the motions with it and saying, yeah, I'll collect my paycheck and yeah, I don't Keep know. He's a valuable player to be that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll put that well, I don't mean I don't mean like he's just done, done, but like just not pushing himself. They're just like, I'll take my sweet time. I'm still getting paid. And when I need to crank it up, I'll crank it up when I become a free agent type of thing. You know, like yeah, it sounds like the NBA in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Load management games, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, so so to your point, I guess. What do the Bulls need to do? I think quite a bit, honestly. I don't I don't think rolling it back is gonna solve the issue, but I don't know that letting Zach Levine go to get younger. I don't know. Yeah. It, well, you, go just, you get the feeling like they're gonna take a step back. That's what it's I mean, if, if you can't bring Levine back, you don't have much of a choice, right? Like if he wants to go somewhere else to play with one of his buddies then, yeah, you don't have a choice but to but to try to get the most young talent you can back in a trade, hopefully, to trade for him, sign and trade, and then... Then you got to decide, you know, what do you do with Vucevic? Uh, yeah. Every year he goes by, he gets one, one, one year closer to being retired. Yeah, and then you get a coach, you know, like Billy Donovan, this, 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 was he more of a ready-made coach to win? Does he even want to be around for taking a step back my guess would be no because he's done it enough with Oklahoma State and he probably wants to jump to a team and be the guy that's ready to go so that could uh that could be an issue as well because I love to see Billy Donovan as our coach even though I, I feel like there were things that could have been done on the stretch that weren't but I think his hands were tied a little bit with the roster and the players and um, some injuries and everything so I, yeah, I really I still think he's better than most of the people are going to get in here Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, he's so, he's in the he's in the you know top ten to fifteen coaches in the league. No doubt in my mind. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, is there was a leak last late last week, early this week about Seattle and Vegas as expansion cities yeah. for the NBA, which would but, then probably move Memphis into the East. And Minnesota 
into the East. What were the two cities you mentioned? Las Vegas and Seattle. Hmm. So they'd be two <laughs> West teams for sure. I guess it'd either be Minnesota or New Orleans. Okay. Into the East, right? To equal out into the – so then the question becomes – if that that's maybe expected to happen for 2024, 2025 season, mm-hmm. if it gets announced anytime soon, um, then you have to compete with the up and coming Timberwolves too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, the East is tough now. I mean, it, the last couple of years, it wasn't anywhere near what it is now. Um, I feel like it's it's pretty level playing field east. I don't I don't know that the top teams are as considered as top as the top teams in the West, but the West is a little more top heavy. So it's uh, that's why it was fun to watch. You get Miami and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you know two similar teams that are kind of built the same going head to head was a lot of fun to watch. So now it's it's going to be a whole different whole different ball game now. Golden State versus Boston. So, but yeah, that just makes the Bulls' path that much tougher for sure. Uh, but I would love to see the Seattle SuperSonics back in the league because oh, that'd be cool. By far, one of my favorite jerseys and team names <laughs> of all time. So, would you would you trade Zach Levine? Sign and trade Zach Levine for Bradley Beal straight up? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not a huge Bradley Beal fan. There's just another. I don't think it solves anything. Maybe you get a little bit better shooting. I mean, it's a two. A less athleticism. Yeah. Right. That's a little. Levine is. Levine's a two. Yeah, but Beal will actually play some D. Yeah. Maybe you get a little better D and a little better shooting, but you sacrifice some athleticism and intangibles. I would, if it were me, I'd say no. I'd rather keep Levine. But if Levine doesn't want to stay around, I think that's the over the team. (laughs) I think that's the overall thing is he's he doesn't want to be here. Period. Like he doesn't want to be there. Period. He's done it. It's weird because that's what it's feeling like, and I don't, I don't know why that is. He doesn't. He just doesn't seem bought in. But he he didn't all year either. Really, a lot of the comments he'd make would be just very neutral. He wasn't negative. And stuff like that, but he just wasn't. You know, I can't wait to win with these guys, you know. And or, or the interview didn't mean it. You didn't hear yeah. that kind of stuff from him. It, it made, nah. or like he likes some of the guys in the team. Like he appreciates Durant, or not Durant, um, Demar. And I know he still talks with uh, Dwayne Wade. And uh, you know, I think he appreciates some of the players, but I don't know that he appreciates the organization. Yeah, that's only he's fully committed and he's always always has had an eye to the future. I think that's he wants. I think his goal is he wants to end up on a coast playing in either New York or LA, maybe, maybe Philly because it's close enough to New York. Yeah, I think he he thinks he's better than he is. I think he thinks he can get a lot of off the field or off the court endorsements and he's not going like you know. But I guess that's what you get when you play at UCLA. You kind of get that a uh, little bit bigger ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, one note I wanted to touch on with the Bears. I forgot to put this in the rundown. Um, is today uh, Akeem Hicks signed with the Bucks? 
Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. the defense of the Bears is getting lighter and lighter and lighter. Um, they're pushing on the precipice of not winning more games than the Lions this year. I don't know. Their their schedule is uh, I, I wouldn't say easy, but it certainly is. Um, but the, with the, what what the with what the Lions added though with Jameson yeah, Williams, they still have golf running the show. I don't know if he'll be running it too much though. I mean, it's it's in literally handoff to Swift and Jamal Williams, and then throw a screen out to Williams and. I don't know. It's getting – my point also is I don't trust Justin Fields. It's getting scary, though. With the well, the thing I, – I don't know. The, the two guys, the, the – two what is it, two defensive backs, they get a, what, a corner and a, a safety. Corner and safety. Draft, you know, sharing up their worst whole part of their defense from last year. Um, you still they have really good players. They, uh, yeah. They got two good players. But. Right. And then you still got Roquan Smith and then Eberflus to set up that defense. Their defense could – sounds weird, but you're Lewis Clilmack and, and Akeem Hicks was – if he can stay healthy, then, all, you know, I, I wish him well with the Bucks, But he didn't help us that much for the last two years. He was out with an elbow or a shoulder, and he was out most of the year last year as well. So I don't think it's a huge loss for us. Um and I, I'm excited to see the, the difference in defense and the philosophy and how that's all going to work out uh, with the new coaching staff. And but we've done nothing to help Fields. No. Yeah. That's surprising. I mean, I, I've read a lot about this 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 wide receiver. This like Velas Jones Jr. or something. He seems like he's got some you know intangible some some breakaway speed. He could be your slot guy. He's a lot like. Darnell Mooney, but bigger and a little bit faster. So, you know, what he reminds me of right off the bat because of his stuff, Devin Hester. Remember the problem with Hester? <laughs> Hester was great in kickoff returns. Mm-hmm. Can't he catch the ball. Run a route defensively or offensively to save his soul. Yeah. And he couldn't yeah. catch a ball. He couldn't catch a ball if he knew he was going to get hit. Well, and, and how many times did Jay Cutler have to? I can't believe I'm going to compliment Jay Cutler. Uh, did he have to uh, tell uh, Hester where to go when the players <laughs> were lining up? Well, I mean, let's so go back to that. What what real help did Jay Cutler have though? Brandon Marshall occasionally when he could buy enough time to throw one up 80, 80 yards. Yeah, and that was after a couple of years too. Who do you have before that? <laughs> well, Cutler's issue was. They had no receivers when they had an offensive line. Mm-hmm. Then they went and got some receivers, and they and that's the year he took about twelve sacks in the one game against the Giants and stuff <laughs> because they had no lightman at all to block. Um, I, I I would I would take Jay Cutler tomorrow if he was if he was twenty eight years old and healthy. Uh, so I was logging or I was getting onto the Bears website to look at their schedule. And the headline, um, former Bear running back Marion Barber was found yeah, dead. I, I just saw that headline, yeah. yeah I just saw that before we got out. Thir- 38 years old, yeah. Yeah. Found mm. dead in his apartment in Frisco, Texas. Wow. So he had some issues with the, with the law last couple of years and some things. I, yeah. I think he had some mental health issues. Yeah. Probably some, uh, Probably yeah. some drug issues. Eh? Well, no, I was going to say some concussion yeah, post concussion uh, syndrome type stuff. You know, so I mean, I 
I just remember him and uh, a St. Louis guy, Lawrence Maroney, when they were running backs together for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Oh yeah, back in the day. That's what I. That's where I remember him the most was when he played for the the Gophers. Yeah, I remember seeing his number going the other way down the field a few times. So. Well, when you had two first rounders in Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney in your backfield in college in the yeah. Big Ten at that time, it was uh, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nobody ever gets tired, you just switch them out, right? No, nope. keep on rolling. That's what was that's, I think, when Wisconsin decided they were going to go get you know, James White, Monte Ball, and uh, that yeah, that group of guys that became uh, Melvin Gordon that. They have now become like uh, yeah. running back you. But um, we'll move on to uh, from one NBA finals to the what to the conference finals in the NHL. Um, last night we had a NHL all-star game breakout in Denver. Uh, the Avs won eight, eight, six. Um, Actually, I'd, I'd uh, qualify that. I'd say the uh, NHL offensive uh, all-star game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, w- I don't think you're going to uh, confuse Francois and Kemper and Smith and uh, Korp- Korpikoski as uh, all-star NHL goalies. Um, yeah. None of them will probably have a starting job. Well, I take that back. Kemper will have a starting job next year because he's going to have to in Denver because – Colorado gave up way too much to get him. Um, but once again, um, the headline isn't McDavid and McKinnon. Uh, the headline is a fine tooth comb ruling on a goal that. Uh, yeah, it, that was... as a as a guy who plays hockey, so I get like. The, all your argument is he didn't possess the puck as he ca- came across. He lifted a stick, blah, 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 delayed mm-hmm. off. No, BS. That That's offsides. He was stick handling the puck. You can't tell me for the split second that he didn't have technically possession of the puck. Like, Well, right, and I, I guess I'd have to uh, look at the NHL rule book uh, because, yeah, what is possession? Is possession only when, this, when your stick is touching the puck? Well, uh, which, you know. So the thing about the – so this is where – this rule and the way they interpret it becomes real, real uh, sketchy and maybe the favor of who the NHL might want in (laughs) the final. Um, The delayed offsides references tagging up when there's a dump puck, not when you're carrying the puck. So realistically what the NHL review system said was McCarr dumped the puck in a half a foot and left a stick hovering over it and then, Collected it when the Chuskin tagged yeah. up. Yeah, that I, I don't that's think that's the, the spirit of the. No. That's not the spirit of the rule. No. Uh, but for me, I'm sitting there like, how one? How did you not like the linesman? You're not thinking that. In the, how did you miss it that blatant in, in real life? Mm-hmm. It was that offsides, you know. By by NHL standards, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it was right after. It was literally. 12 seconds after Edmonton had tied the game at two. Yeah. Yeah. They came right back down the ice. Yeah. But um, I think, you know, a bit of karma with Kemper getting hurt because all the Avs fans were laughing at Bennington going out in the series. And now Kemper could be done for the year. And uh, 
let's see how they like uh, having Francois or Franco, whatever the yeah. guy's name is, playing goal for them. Who? Uh, I mean, the only the only thing for the Abs is Mike Smith and uh, Korpakowski aren't are uh, they might actually be worse. You know, speaking of goalie injuries, not to uh, change the topic here, but uh, the injury to Aranta was uh, pretty. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd say gruesome, but um, you don't you don't see uh, hockey players react uh, most time like he did. He he looked like he was really in a lot of pain. I don't know if you saw that when he uh, he, he went he rolled right over. I mean, it's, you wonder how much damage did he do. You know, like you got a hamstring pulling this, and then you got the people who, you know, the hamstring separates from the bone. They, they, yeah, yeah, because the way he moved to his right and the way he came down with the force and the weight, it was, uh, it was just awkward. Yeah, and 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 really going down hard, and and the way he reacted was, uh, you knew he was just in a terrible amount of pain. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, not not pretty. But, yeah, that looked pretty serious. So, from being a goalie, um, I I wonder if he pulled his groin off the bone. Yeah. On his hamstring. Yeah. yeah. And and mm. just because of the way he kind of went down with it, either yeah. it's either that or something just weirdly popped – in his knee because not usually do you do get a hamstring there it's either somehow a knee pops and it's bad news Mm -hmm. or or the groin goes and uh yeah it it did not look didn't look great um i don't know the best best of luck to him but uh Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, yeah. it's in the, in the other series, yeah, the Kemper injury that, uh, um, well, I mean, you may get some of these, uh, <laughs> you may get uh, scores like last night in every one of these games, you know? Yeah, exactly. And back to the Ronta injury, I don't think it was 2 nothing at the time. I don't think that really was going to change the outcome of game seven, unfortunately, no, for the Hurricanes. Going. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think first or second shot, uh, the, the guy who came in gave up a goal, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was not, well, for, right not, a, not a real tough one. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, he, he should have stopped that one, but uh, but yeah, it just didn't have that feel that uh, it was yeah. going to make a difference anyway. No, and then uh, the Eastern Conference final game one is going on tonight, it is one, uh, one to one at the end. Yeah, of the yeah, I was gonna say, I didn't know if the second had started just yet, but. Um, Chris Kreider scored for the Rangers uh, about a minute 10 in and about four minutes later, Steven Stamko scored. Um, and you got guys like Zabanajad and Panarin and Stamkos and Kucherov, but those aren't the headliners of this matchup. It is, uh, Igor Shesterkin of the Rangers in between the pipes versus, uh, the best goalie in the world, mm-hmm. uh, Vasilevsky. Um, so you go from one Western or the Western Conference final, who's going to have no goaltending, to the Eastern Conference final, which is going to have <laughs> probably the two best goalies in the world right now going head to head. So that'll be it'll be fun. Um, 
And we'll, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more in depth when the series is really get going, when it's not just game one. But uh, I think whoever wins the East is going to end up winning, winning the cup just because yeah. of the goal. I would agree. Right there. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. And then it really pains me to see this because the Blues would have been able to keep yeah. it. If Bennington stays healthy, I think the Blues win the series. Yeah. And I think they walk all over Edmonton and then it's completely different. Then you don't, then the Stanley cup is really up in the air. Yeah. Um, I agree. We'll move on to a little MLB talk. Now um, we'll start it off with the news out of Chicago on the South side this week. Uh, the White Sox DFAing uh, Dallas Keuchel. Um, Matt, what, what do you think about, uh, you know, them pretty much cutting bait with, what, $14 million or something like that is what he was owed? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was needed. Uh, he, was, he, was, he had one outing uh, against the Yankees, I believe. That was a nice, it was a nice outing, and they pulled him at the right time. Um, so he couldn't implode, but he's just, he's been rough. The last two years, it hasn't been great. Um, and I just, <clears throat> we couldn't, we couldn't keep rolling him out there and expect to uh, gain any ground in our deficiency. So we had to, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, like, is it, was it data driven? Was it coach driven? Was it fan driven? Cause I know the fans were clamoring for him to go as well. And didn't want to see him pitch another inning, you know? Just giving up, you know, bomb after bomb. So he's a. I didn't hate the guy. I just I think it was it was time to cut bait on him and, and let him go. And you know, it's <clears throat> we're gonna have some other starting pitchers coming back anyway. So you know, it's probably better now than than later. Just maybe fill in with some other guys as we kind of get back to Lance Lynn and get Lucas Giolito back. So here's my take on it. Uh, Dallas Keuchel might be a little bit of a scapegoat for uh, how bad the infield defense is for the White Sox because what does Keuchel do? He gets ground balls. He's only given up six home runs all year. He gets ground balls, but he's got a batting average against him of, uh, let's see, in the month of April, it was 364. 346 and in the month of May it was 341. Um with seven seven twenty-six on ground ball was the average in May in uh May and six twenty-two was in April on ground balls. That's what I yeah, real life. So yeah, yeah I mean, definitely, yeah, for sure. I, I I don't doubt that defense would play a huge factor in him being a better pitcher. But when you have Johnny Cueto come in out of literally nowhere and pitch better than him in three games, then um, we've seen uh, Dallas Keuchel the last year and a half. <laughs> it's, like, it's hard to argue that, you know. So you got the same defense behind Cueto. If they're not looking for another starter, though, by the trade deadline, then you're counting on everybody else being healthy the rest of the year. And that's what well, that just doesn't seem to be 
Major League Baseball right now. I mean, it's just no. You look up and down the rosters, and everybody is is whacked. I mean, it, you know, it's you know for you know for the teams in contention, it's a problem. For for, for the Cubs, it's an opportunity to bring more guys up, so it works works out all right. You know, but you know, for if you're supposed to be in contention, it, it is going to be tough. I mean, to say that Giolito won't miss any starts or you know, Colpex pitch top doesn't get to the point where it's too high later. I mean, you just, you know, they, they need at least one more. They need one before the year started. They definitely need one now. Yeah. Two. The only thing, reason I might have kept Keiko is I might have kept him around to be that guy. You know, when you're down seven nothing in the third. Yeah, you got to eat, eat some innings. Give me five, yeah. give me four innings, Dallas. Yeah. You know, and and stuff, so you're not burning up the rest of that, mm-hmm. that bullpen. You're paying them 14 million anyway. Yeah, that's that's what I was. I mean, if you're the I, White I would Sox, take, I would take them out of rotation. Yeah, absolutely. If, yeah. if you're the White Sox who worry about every penny they spend, anyways, yeah. Why isn't he one either in the bullpen or send him down to the minors and see if he can figure something out? Yeah, give him a give him a shot. Yeah, it was a sudden. I, I think it it's it could be a shock to the team as well to say, you know, you better start producing or things well, are gonna change, you know. It's because the talent's there, we're it's just been so wishy-washy with you get a good starting pitcher come out and throw seven or eight, and then you you only score them a run or two, you know, and then the next you score. 10 runs, but your pitcher's giving up 12. It's like, it's just, it's never, I haven't seen like a full game yet. The part that stunned me when I, you know, in the two game series that were there, that, you know, we'd be, you know, we're one of the few teams that were able to three saves in one game, uh, which, yeah. which, was, which was really good. And, and more dribblers and pass balls and every goddamn thing pissed me off. But um, I couldn't believe because it, I knew how there were a lot of guys hitting poorly on the Sox, but I didn't know how poorly mm-hmm. until I saw the numbers up on, you know, the grand dolls of the world hitting 137. And, you know, mm-hmm. Mercada, back where he was two years ago, again, you know, hitting 150. And, and so, I mean, these are supposedly stars. Yeah. And they're they're not even 200. I mean, it, hell, you'd be better off taking Jason Hayward right now. I mean, <laughs> that's the guy. I mean, you know, take them for free, you know, and stuff like that. It'd give you a left-handed hitting right fielder. Right. You won't hit it out of the infield, but, you know, he'll hit it to the ground and somebody. <laughs> yeah, and I just – I was just stunned when you looked at the top of the lineup and you saw the on-base, you know, stuff like that, and, and you saw the OBP uh, and, and OPS. The first three guys are, are doing fine. Boy, after that, there was a long drop before that top of the order comes to run again. I think they said something like, "This will be their 48th lineup, different lineup in 48 games." So there's just there's no continuity. There's no I, I don't really know what's going on. I I don't know. I don't know if it, you got a lot of injuries coming in out, so that plays a factor, obviously. But you know. AJ Pollock, where where is he? What is he doing? I don't really understand why we even traded for him if you're not even going to play the guy. Um, and it's I don't, it's just a lot of it's just been a weird year. Like I, it's hard to get behind it and, and understand really what's going on because it's just been. And then what then what, what Rick said is 
Or they, they, they do throw the ball around a little bit. And I was waiting for when it was going to, Steve Stone was going to start because hey, what's the guy's name? Harrison. He's been. Well, was ran, ran down your outfielder on a pop up. And, so, and Steve Stone goes, What in the hell is he doing? You know, it's like, why would he even be running after that ball? He almost kills our right fielder. Yeah. You know? And I don't know, like, where, I don't know if you've listened to any of the White Sox games recently on TV, but. Steve Stone hasn't even been – it's been Gordon Beckham as the other announcer with Jason Benetti. So, I don't know if Steve Stone's just – I think Stone got – Everybody's saying he got a suspension, by the way. Oh, did he? Uh-huh. That's, that's the – I've heard that on a couple different national sports stations, I think, like on, on CFL and some of that, that they think he had a, got a quiet slap on the wrist. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. And, and he's going to do that because – he did it with the Cubs. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, Stone, who was it? Wanted to come up and kick his ass. I couldn't remember that time. He got in a battle with somebody. They threatened to come up to the up to the press box and kick his ass. And that, that would make perfect sense because I know when he was going to take a, a series off, he said he was always going home for a series and Gordon Beckham was going to fill in. And that was probably two, three series ago. So uh, something else is going on behind the scenes why he's not back yet. So. They do fire the ball around all over the place a little bit with reckless abandon. There's, there's no question about it. And, uh, I, I mean, at the top of the lineup is only going to take them so far right now. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Anderson is, is Anderson. He's fine. He just um, got hurt. He just got hurt at the groin. He's, you know, yeah. So. Now, defensively, he's, he's a little bit of a liability, but he, he makes up more than makes up for him anyway. Then you got a couple of guys that are hitting real well, and and then boy, nothing. No, you know, and I think Abreu's probably done. Yeah, he's nearing the end. They're throwing fastballs right past the uh, and they come through. They didn't even throw him a breaking ball. Yeah, they threw nothing but fastballs, and he was behind on, on all of them. And you know, I've, I've you see that at the end of players' careers, and somebody just can't catch up even when it's there. So I mean. Yeah, you're gonna have your work cut off here to go do something. You know, Eloy gets hurt. You know, he comes back. It gets hurt in his first rehab game. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because he did like the last time he got hurt, he was supposed to be out for I don't know what it was, but he came back early, and it was kind of like, whoa, okay. And now this one, he was he was set to come back early too, and it's like this guy's just an animal, I guess, with his rehab and his body and everything, because everybody reacts to things differently, but. Yeah, then he goes out and tweaks it again. It's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, he's got to be a designated hitter. I mean, he can't. He's still got to yeah. run. He, he tweaked a run in the first base. He well, that's, that's true, too. He still has to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he can't swing the bat. There's no question. But, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what kind of moves Minnesota makes. Yeah. Because there's put there's, yeah, why well, would at this point, you know? The funny thing is you look at the stuff now, uh, there's only only 12 teams in baseball with a 500 better record. It's really, yeah, it, it's crazy, isn't it? It's yeah. really settling out. I mean, the majority of teams last week, even teams at the top, were 5-5. Five and five. That was the most popular in the last 10. And so, so, I mean, teams are settling in and other teams are, you know, like the Royals and stuff. I don't know where the hell they're headed. I mean... They went right past Cincinnati. I think. <laughs> so it's, it's 
there's a, just a lot of teams playing sub 500 ball and you know it looked like Boston had figured it out and now the, not again and Philadelphia the same thing a lot of big names on their team but you're eight games under 500 you you're probably not winning anything yeah and then the Angels start I was gonna say back to earth yeah. a little bit you know because nobody you never knew they couldn't they wouldn't last like that so well, so two things I was going to touch on with the topics that you guys talked about. Um, so what's the real age of Jose Abreu, you think? Because it's not 35. No, he could be older. Yeah. <laughs> no. Kind of like Albert Pujols is probably 47, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, lot, yeah, a lot of those guys figure five years. Well, Abreu was – he's Cuban too. So, like, does he even <laughs> really know his actual – No. What was Miguel Tejada? He was the one that was like actually caught, right? Yeah, three years older. He's three years older. Yeah, Dominican. Sounds about right. Dominican. And close enough. <laughs> but the other topic, I was going to ask Keith. Keith, you have three Gold Glovers on your infield. Do you go league minimum, and why not just try Dallas Keuchel because you need an arm right now, anyways, Somebody. in the rotation? Oh, I, you know, uh, I, I think so. I mean, uh, I mean, and, and it's a typical Moselec um, move, but John Lester, uh, Jay Happ, Wade LeBlanc. Yeah. Look at last year, you had the geriatric team out there and they pulled it all together. It looked nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now, the only thing is, you know, <laughs> but Moselec won't do it until, uh, until, uh, you know, June or July. Well, we're well, in June already, so June. we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he does doesn't now, you know, I mean, why not take a flyer on him? I mean, uh, you know, uh, you. I think you mentioned earlier uh, his ground ball rate is uh, really good. Cardinals uh, like pitchers like that, and uh, change of scenery. Uh, you know, cliche, but uh, change of scenery might might uh, help. Um, well, yeah, give it a shot. And I mean, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm making that call right now and just saying, hey, you're going to start one of the one of the uh, doubleheader mm-hmm. games in Chicago because we need arms anyway like yeah we just, i mean on on monday they started packing not in a bullpen game somehow we just swept the padres but you know it packing not and start for you and you have your the rest of your rotation is michaelis wainwright Levator, and hudson yeah yeah i mean uh, take it take a flyer on him and uh yeah it's not like you gotta send him uh, down to triple a to uh, work uh, up some innings to uh, be able to start. He's already good to go, and you're not going to ask. It's not like you're expecting him to go six or seven. If he goes uh, uh, five, that I was going to is... say, picky him with uh, Andre Palante and just mm-hmm. Keiko. You go four, Palante. You go three. There's our seven, and we'll then we'll go from there. Yeah, you know, give him a few weeks, and I think because of your defense, he's probably the perfect, the perfect mm-hmm. pickup. Well, yeah. at least right now, when you have Hicks, Flaherty on the IL, Matt's on the IL, like, you know, Hicks wasn't supposed to be in the rotation, but you have two fifths of your, what you thought was going to be your starting rotation on the IL and mm-hmm. one fifth in Jack Flaherty, who's been on the IL all year, but still. Yeah. And you're not giving up anything. It's not a trade. Um, you know. Yeah. You give him what, a million dollars and say, hey, come test it yeah. out. What the heck? Yeah. I mean, Renting uh, for one month and one cardinal way would pay for that. Mm-hmm. Those apartments yeah. right outside Ballpark Village, those things are. <laughs> have any of you, I'll bring it up this way. Have any of you guys seen Chris Morrell play for the Cubs yet? Uh, just I saw, a little bit. I saw mm-hmm. him hit the home run off the Pirates and go 
batshit crazy because he hit a home run off the Pirates, but well, I know he's first and bad. I mean, I know, no, I know. I'm just it's more yeah. a shot at the Pirates than yeah. The reason I bring it up is he's been up 15 games. He's been on base all 15. He's got a 13 game hitting streak, and the, the part that it, it excites me the most, besides the fact that he plays defense anywhere and he can actually run, is the fact that his exit velocity is the uh, you know, every every game you look at three or four balls are hit over 100 miles an hour. He's squared everything up on everyone right now. So it's and when you if you see his story, the thing the thing that I like about the kid, I mean, he's they say he's a combination of was it Fowler and uh, they were putting two guys together, and I can't remember who the second guy was. You know, because of his personality, he's got, he had an injury when he was in the minors. He went end up going through a play class door. He's got this big scar on his arm. He can't close his his uh, his hand, his left hand, glove hand, complete like any farther than like this. Wow. To put it in the glove, he's got to put the fingers in the glove and then bend them, bend them down. See so if he's holding a bat like that too and stuff. And it's uh you know see so you look and the same injury he underwent three surgeries for his left eye because they thought he was going to lose his vision from the glasses. So you look at a kid like that who's 22 and has a lot of energy. I don't, you know, he's, he's not going to hit 300 all year or something like that. But I look at what he brings to the leadoff spot that we haven't had since Fowler. Mm-hmm. You, know, and, you know, Fowler had a couple of his better years here and stuff like that. You know, and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's exciting to see a kid kind of come out of you know, a double A ball where he was tearing it up and just walk up and, and do some, you know, do some pretty good things. Are you, is he going to change your team completely? No, but yeah, it gives you some hope, you know. It reminds, and, me, it reminds me of a little bit of a younger, faster Zobrist. He plays, he plays third, he plays short, he plays second, he plays center field. I mean, it's, you know, it's a nice problem to have, I guess. When you look yeah. at some of the stuff that we have and you start worrying about some of the guys you have and, you know, are, you know, you, know, you look at, uh, except, except for Horn, when I look at the the guys who are going to plug into the lineup two years from now that hopefully is a team that's competitive, you know, aside from Horner, they'd probably happen if you keep them because Contreras will be gone. And so, that, I mean, those are the only two guys really that, you'd say with any confidence are going to be there. So it's, uh, they brought up this other kid, Valens, it's, um, it's not Valenzuela, but it sounds like that. But yeah, you just watch people hitting. His numbers were better in the minors, but he was, well, he didn't look like much. But he looked like, he looked like a 4A player to me. You know, so it's, you know, we'll, we'll see. But just excited they talked about him uh, the first game he was up, he was on deck, and I guess there was a stoppage in play or whatever on the field of commercial timeout, and he spotted Ricketts sitting in the, in the stands. He went to the on deck over to Ricketts and, and introduced himself and shook his hand <laughs> during the game. <laughs> I mean, he's a little, a little bit. Of, he she go along well with Stroman, you know, and stuff like that. He's a little, little free spirit, but. But, you know, kind of cool to see somebody that positive, I guess. But if you get a chance to watch a Cub game, 
Just take a look at his swing and, and fluidity and stuff. And well, you know, it's well, funny. I'll you be watching he, four straight. Yeah, <laughs> five. He, he was uh, just up here, and uh, now he struck out, but uh, his uh, his bat speed uh, was was uh, noticeable. You know, and he's uh, like he said he's you know he's hitting these balls. He's got two or three of them at one sixteen plus already. That's you score that's about impressive. that hard. You're you're hitting. Yeah. So that's, well, that's especially when I mean he's he's not that big of a guy. Uh, no, he? he's built pretty compact and stuff like that, but he runs like the wind. Yeah. Matt, are you going to both games on Saturday or just one? Just one, just the noon game. Well, speaking of somebody who's tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Paul, Paul Goldschmidt has a 37-game wow. on base streak and a 23-game hit streak. Uh, he extended those today. Um, and he broke a Cardinals record with 23 extra base hits in the month of May. It broke uh, – Stan Musial and Albert Pujols were both – shocker. Those were the guys that were tied mm. for 22 in a, in a month. Um both in May, Musial in 1954 and Albert in 2003, the years they won the batting title. Um, well, that's pretty select company. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, say, yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, oh, I mean, wow, uh, you know, just every day, every week. And uh, now he's in the uh, top three, top five, and, you know, just about all the major categories. Uh, yeah, he's – in Major League Baseball, that's what I was – I haven't pulled up. So, in Major League Baseball, he is tied for third in RBIs behind Alonzo with 47 and Jose Ramirez with 52. Uh, he leads all of Major League Baseball in OPS at 1.054. Um, he is third in average behind J.D. Martinez and Tim Anderson. Um and then home runs, he is sitting not very – he's got 11, but he's 12th in home yeah. runs. Yeah, and I think he's up there in doubles uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. doubles he is uh, fifth with 17. Yeah, I mean, he's just uh, lights out right now. And uh, Arenado uh, has been in a little bit of a slump, but today he broke out of it. I mean, if you get both those guys going – it's a new month. Yeah, I don't think we've ever – in St. Louis, I don't think since we last year and this year, I don't think we ever had them both going at the same time. Yeah. One you know, was I, always I think, carrying the other. Yeah, I think that's true. Although uh, last night it's interesting – well, and, and this would be for the season. They put up a graphic. Uh, you probably saw it during the game. They said uh, the Cardinals two and three hitters are number one and yeah. it was just a boatload of categories. Uh, yeah, for, well, in all of Major League Baseball. So, so never in Major League Baseball hit. I would assume Paul Goldschmidt is going to win the player, the National League Player of the Month for the month of May, mm-hmm. with twenty three extra base hits, four four seventy one in the month. Well, he went into every leader category during that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, so the point that I was going with that is never in Major League National League history has a team won three consecutive months of Player of the Year or Player of the Month. With three different guys, so okay, Danny, Arenado got it in uh, April, April right? and O'Neill got it in September. Oh, okay. So okay. they roll, yeah. they roll it all like that. So like, yeah. I mean, the offense is coming. If O'Neill can figure his stuff out, and Carlson can, Carlson was on his way up a little bit when he pulled his hammy. If he can stay yeah. hot now with Gorman up, 
Yeah. And Gorman, you just have to see, uh, he seems like he's a real deal, but it's, you know, just way too early to tell. Yeah. But, but the early signs are, but I mean, are good. Even if you get O'Neill and them back, if Gorman slips, then you send him back down and you still have, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a month of Yepes and Donovan and neither of them have really slumped off a little bit either. So they're, mm-hmm. the bats are here now yeah, finally the for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. When they've had the arms before and no bats, now they need to figure out the arm situation. Uh, <clears throat> Frankie Montas. <clears throat> yeah, well, and 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 Keuchel's uh, uh, an interim uh, yeah. stopgap kind of thing, but yeah, I just hope Moselock uh, doesn't sit on his hands until uh, you know July. It's gonna be you and the Twins the way it seems like for Montas. You'll you'll sure. you read. I'm sure it'll be somebody. I'm sure L.A. or Houston or – Swoop in, yeah. yeah. The Mets. Yeah. Steve, Steve Cohen has no problem throwing money at anything <laughs> no. and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a pretty big checkbook. You know, or the Padres even go back to the well after getting, you know, Sean uh, Manaya from him. But uh, – but yeah, so back to Dave's point about the 500 teams. The Cardinals split with the Brewers and then just swept the, the Padres. So uh, don't look now. They're eighth in Major League Baseball and wins with 29. And the Brewers now actually have a tough schedule to play baseball with. So that'll be Finally. Fun. Oh, geez. Yeah. While, while the Cardinals – you can't ever take for granted playing the Cubs, but then I think the Cardinals, they go from the Cubs, they have the Rays, but then they have Reds, Pirates for four, Red Sox, Brewers, Cubs, Marlins. Oh, okay, you'll get some more young pitching for the Cubs because Miley and Smiley are both out. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's okay. the thing is you got you got five games with them too against you guys too in, in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, the encouraging thing for me is we got a couple of young pitchers that have come up who have done – very, very well, which is that hasn't happened in 10 years. <laughs> well, I mean, in fact, it's longer than it's coming up out of our out of our pool, out of our minor system. Wait, I take that back. The Brewers don't really have a tough schedule. They play the Padres, but then they have the Phillies, Nationals, Reds, Pirates, well, sprinkle in the Cardinals. That's pretty Blue much Jays. dwellers again. Yeah, sprinkle in the Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Mets in a series, but like I don't know. The Brewers, I don't think they're a good team. They just well, – I, I shouldn't say I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they're as good as a three-game lead is. I think. Well, they've taken advantage of, of their schedule. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it's one thing. You play play the uh, weaker teams, but you got to beat them. You still got to beat them. Yeah. Uh, Eaters, and, what, 10 for 10, 11 for 11? Yeah. He's he giving up a run. He's giving up a run in 22. I know. He's yeah. the only thing going well on my fantasy baseball team. <laughs> and he, yeah, and they he, just lost uh, two of their starting pitchers. So, um, yeah, uh, Woodruff was on my roster. So, my IL has uh, Woodruff, Scherzer. Uh, it had Luis Robert for COVID. It has Dylan Carlson. It has Jack Flaherty. Um, and then, uh, was it Kirsch, Kiermaier or Kieschmeiner? Oh, the from, pitcher from the Rays, left-hand yeah. pitcher. Their closer. He's going to be awesome. No, because eventually I'm going to have to drop guys that are actually producing for guys that are coming off injury. Yeah. 
It's brutal. I hate fan. I'm never playing fantasy baseball again. Oh, you and Tommy Fam, you and both of yeah. you just uh, can't can't play. His was football. And did you see him blame? He said Mike Trout was the worst commissioner he's ever had in his life for a fantasy sport. <laughs> Tommy Fam, somebody needs to clue in Tommy Fam to like reality here. You know, you wonder how life. he you wonder how he got stabbed twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just walk up to Jock Peterson and slap him about fantasy football because Jock Peterson used his IR spot. <laughs> I don't know. Did anybody watch the Jock Peterson interview? I did not. Oh my God. It was one. He looks like he's a little, he's gotten a little chunky this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be eating too much Ghirardelli's chocolate up in, in the Bay Area, but uh, it was. It was funny the way he was trying to be like vague, but the script and like not trying to fuel the fire, but fuel the fire at the same. Like it was, it was a very funny conversation. He's gonna get. In other words, he's gonna he's gonna get slapped again, right? <laughs> he might. He might. <laughs> I mean, I'm just surprised they didn't throw at fam. <laughs> Yikes! But. Uh, I think that'll wrap this one up unless anybody's got anything else they want to uh, hit on. I guess real quick, predictions, NBA finals and the games. Matt, who you got in in how many games? Uh, We'll go to state in seven. We'll go to full, yeah. Keith? Uh, I'll say Golden State. uh, I'm going to say six. Dave? Golden State and six. I think it's Golden State and seven. I think the NBA always makes sure it's <laughs> six or seven games, right? I mean, it, when was the last time there was like a short finals? Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. There'll be a load management game in game six to make sure it gets to seven for the, yeah, for right. the Warriors. Oh, there you go, yeah. <laughs> but, all right, guys, that'll wrap this one up. We'll uh, chat again next week. Take Sounds care. good. Have a good week. See you. Thank you for listening to the Sports Divided Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Sports Divided. And we'll see you next week.